Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the, well, it's not the one Bitcoin show. It's the Beyond Bitcoin show. Today is April the 13th, 2019, and Shabbat is over. But it was a good Shabbat, I hope, for all of you. Strong hand, long-term thinking, uh, unconfiscatable, deferral of gratification, conviction, value your wealth in Bitcoin, avoid mediocrity, personal responsibility is a new counterculture. I made sure I said a lot of those things as we're going to talk about deferral of gratification today. We're going to talk about conviction because I've got the one, the only. <clears throat> oh yeah, he's really a rabbi. It is the Bitcoin rabbi. He is in the house. Welcome Bitcoin rabbi. Hey, thanks for having me. This has been a long time coming. We, You were, I think, uh, probably the first person to follow me on Twitter, actually. It was like, we've been chatting for a long time and I'm so glad I finally got on with you. It's it's a weird story. I believe I, I you followed me and I immediately noticed like, some guy called the Bitcoin rabbi just followed me. So I immediately contacted you. And then yeah. your, your account went down for a while for some odd yeah. reason. I was like, well, maybe it was a scam or something. But <laughs> no, guys, this is real. He is really a rabbi. You could see it. Now, I mean, some people, I don't know. There's a lot of people on YouTube that watch this all around the world. They're not familiar with rabbis. They're not familiar with Jewish people. Some people, they picture a Jewish man. They, they picture a guy like you, a, guy, a, a religious-looking man. Some picture Rachel Maddow. Some picture me. Who knows what they picture when they think of a Jewish man. But you're going to tell us about the, the religious side of things. And I, I, I want to know your, your origin story. Before we get into Bitcoin, you were once a secular young teenager. Yeah, I mean, I was not raised in a uh, religious family really at all. I mean, uh, maybe a lot of people can appreciate just like a normal American family. Maybe we had a, you know, a Jewish background, whether people are Jewish or not. They kind of know the idea of like, we're, we are a religion, but it's not a big part of our life. Like I went to a synagogue, we had a Passover Seder, we did Yom Kippur and like a little bit of Hebrew school, but it was not like a huge part of our life. Uh, and, and like, it was, uh, something that, you know, in pop culture, like is really, you know, you, you have a little bit of religion in the background, but it's not like something that's taught or, or emphasized or made to be proud of. So it was never, I, I didn't really have that growing up. Um, and then when I was a teenager, me and my older brother, uh, started, you know, looking into it a bit more. And there are these, uh, Jewish rabbis that kind of are all over the world and in, in the U S uh, that's called Chabad. And they basically go to like little towns where there are small Jewish communities and open up shop. And they are like, listen, if you want to come and learn about Torah, you want to learn about holidays, we're here, we're, we're open for you. And so I just, I started going like as a teenager and just really I, the, more than the um what i actually learned and like the philosophy and stuff of it i really loved what i saw just of like a family uh, a, a community you know meaning purpose and so people find that in different religions and people find that in different ways but like that really felt 
fulfilling and felt meaningful. So after I, I was very touched and very moved by that. And then I, when I graduated high school, I went to uh, yeshiva. I studied in Israel for four years. Um, I got my rabbinical degree there. Uh, I'm not what you would call like a pulpit rabbi. I'm not a leader of a community, but I'm a teacher at a, a Jewish day school. And I, uh, you know, I study Torah and, you know, do all of the things of, uh, you know, of uh, that an Orthodox rabbi, an Orthodox Jewish person would do. Now you bring up meaning and purpose. We talk about this on the Beyond Bitcoin show a lot. So that's how he found his <clears throat> meaning and purpose. Who knows how you will find your meaning and purpose, but it's always good to have a meaning and purpose or else you're just floating there and you get caught up in the wild ways of the world. So I, I want you also mentioned family and I, Michael Goldstein, who, I mean, you know him also, he's, he's a big Bitcoin guy. He has a, yeah, tweet, out, he has a tweet out there that is hilarious. And it's about it's about you. It's about your book. When Moses was in Fiat's land, let my money go. Thanks, Bitcoin Rabbi. I can't wait to spread the good word to every family I can. So uh, he's talking about the book right here. Yeah, and, I sent uh, him a bunch of copies to to spread out in uh, Austin, Texas. Now, th this is this is a very interesting. This is a, this is about Bitcoin. It's for kids, but it, it can help grownups too, and it's very family oriented. Very clean and, and nice, and uh, my mom read it. She she enjoyed it and she understood it and everything. Yeah, it's so, funny. My dad, he has a quote. I put him a, a quote on the back. It says, "Grandpa, I learned more from reading this book in one sitting than from you trying to explain Bitcoin to me for two years." So, like, it's definitely not just for kids. I had uh, some sh uh, Shabbos guests over for lunch today, and the book went through all three of them. And like, it is really if you got somebody that doesn't understand, just like doesn't get it. My One of my guests asked me, he said, I've never even seen a Bitcoin. You know, <laughs> what does it look like? And and just didn't, it, this is a great starting point to them because like there's so many different angles, the technology and the blockchain and the whole thing. And you can get all mixed up with all the different coins and the whole, and I, I, I wanted to write this book just to kind of get straight to the point. So that's, that's what it is. Well, well thank you for writing this book and thank you for putting a wholesome spin on Bitcoin. Now, re because recently in Bitcoin and crypto, whatever <clears throat> you want to say, there's been some unwholesome activity to say the least. And a lot of people associate just the worst of the world with Bitcoin and crypto. And this is this is the best of the world. So I'm glad you, you've got Michael Goldstein tweeting about family. This is family. And so it can be a very wholesome thing also, Bitcoin. I just you, want to point, you know point what? that out to everyone. That reminds me. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about, I, I love all your slogans. I think I really love your, your positive attitude and the positivity in Bitcoin. Most people I've met and talked to, uh, are really positive and and good decent people. There's a Jew. There's a Yiddish phrase called "chat good vitzayin good" to think good and it will be good. So like having a positive view and applying that to Bitcoin, I think is important. But also one of your slogans, I do want to give a, like a slight different twist on. You say uh, value your wealth in Bitcoin, which I know what you're what you mean, and I I, I hear that that like you know you don't want to be in fiat and you don't want to be in altcoins. You want to know that your money is worth something and you have Bitcoin. But there's a my Rebbe, um, you know the, my grand Rebbe. He has a, a phrase uh, or a, a famous saying, and it says um, you know not. Uh, 
Oh, let me just close the window. I've got a uh, <laughs> thing going on here. One second. Pound that like button. Pound that like button for the sign from above there when you were talking about yeah. the Rebbe. That was the yeah. <laughs> so he says, he says, Jewish wealth, it, he says it about Jewish, but all, it really applies to anyone. Jewish wealth is not houses and gold. The everlasting Jewish wealth is being a Jew that keeps Torah and mitzvahs and bringing into the world children and grandchildren who keep Torah and mitzvahs. So just my slight take on it, really, besides valuing your wealth in Bitcoin, value your wealth in family. I mean, that's, you know, that's what the Bitcoin's there for. I mean, that's what I have it. I People ask me, when are you going to, when are you going to sell your Bitcoin? I'm like, it's going in my will to my children. What do you think? You know, that's what it's for. You're, you're absolutely, people can't think that long term. There's an, an Italian guy in, in uh, the Penn, the Philadelphia area, Jim, who says the exact same thing that you said. It's for his kids. He's got a paralyzed hand now. He's not. He he's not going to use it. It's for his kids, and that you know, to each his own. Anyone can can choose it, but a lot of people in, in this world, this very impulsive world, they need to spend it the next day. You're talking about it's for the next generation, and and, and Jim, who is an, an Italian guy, it could be anyone realize that. So yeah, it's not you. You yeah. said it yourself. It's not just Jewish. It's 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 for everyone. Now I I, I want to talk about your uh, I guess the discipline of being a religious man. You 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 pray three times a day. Yeah. And uh, does that discipline carry over into Bitcoin? Do you think it, I, I mean, I mean, that's my whole <clears> thing. I think being a disciplined individual keeps you from pan keeps me from, you know, panicking from the ups and the downs of Bitcoin. I mean, if you get too into the price, you're going to do something crazy. But if you're a disciplined person, you, you put it off, you know, you're calm. So what do you think about that? You know, that's a really interesting take. I never really thought of comparing the life. I mean, yeah, to be a, a religious person. And like I said, uh, I'm sure for all religions to be a religiously dedicated person requires discipline. I mean, to be an Orthodox Jew, you uh, eat kosher, which limits the places that you can eat, um, you know, keeping the holidays. Like I just turned off my store, my online store for uh, Shabbos. So people like orders weren't coming in, sales weren't going in because that's my day of rest. That's, you know, we don't do business then. Um, like family life, we've got our restrictions on our, you know, marriage and our family and that kind of things. So I, you know, I, I guess I don't know how to compare it because this, this is the way I do live. But I do think, you know, think about, um, you know, planning for the long term, planning reasonably. You know, I, I when I, when I buy Bitcoin or when I bought Bitcoin, I've got to talk it through with my wife and with our family and see, you know, how, how things uh, financially work. And and so you do have to be, you know, it's not just being religious, but like you know, being uh, a family man. Also, you've got to like really make sure you're not doing crazy stuff and be you know be a responsible person. So. It can be applied to more than just religious people, but it definitely does fit in. Now, since this is the Beyond Bitcoin show, we will be talking to the Bitcoin rabbi about his views on modern day marriage soon. Stay tuned for that. But I want to go back to, well, first of all, I want to say, Zach, thank you, Zach Bandera, for $2 in the super chat. Crypto shrugged author, who also has a Bitcoin book, a little different than this book. He sent a dollar, but th that is awesome to see a, a fellow uh, crypto author there now I, okay so we know you, you became a religious man you became married you have a family you're you're a rabbi you teach when did bitcoin enter the picture and and, and how did you become the bitcoin rabbi because <clears throat> i thought now at last we have a bitcoin rabbi we, we've needed <laughs> one for a while and it, you, you really you you jumped on it someone should have jumped on it a long time ago but so when did you get into this 
Yeah, you know, I'm definitely not the only uh, rabbi that's into Bitcoin. Actually, I think your rabbi is uh, accepting a little bit of Bitcoin now. He's not quite yeah, a Bitcoin yeah. rabbi, but there is actually a whole group of us. We have a chat group of like Jewish and Israeli guys. There's so there's definitely plenty of uh, people in. But it, it really, uh, you know, in, in I was totally very late to the party, I guess you could say. In 2017, um, my older brother, who I'm very good friends with, he lives in Israel. Um, he also like studied in yeshiva and, uh, you know, we're, we're very close. He told me that, uh, that he just started, he bought some Bitcoin and like the price was shooting up and, and I was like, well, what's that? What's this big, the only thing I ever heard, heard of Bitcoin was that the price, cra you know, crashes and I didn't, I never really paid much, you know, paid attention or heard that much of it. Um, but I did come from like a, uh, libertarian kind of perspective of, uh, of and you know economics and financial i read milton friedman i liked thomas Sowell. um so like i did have that uh that background of like you know gold and hard money and all that and then once i kind of got like once the whole thing of bitcoin clicked to me it took about a half a day i was just like whoa this changes everything so if that was 2017 and for a year i was just like eating up everything that i could get i found your show i listened to tone bays i listened to um the noted podcast uh like i just tried to learn everything that i could could about it and i just loved it and i wanted to uh in 20 you know in mid 2018 i wanted to like be more involved. I wanted to be part of the community. And I was like, you know what? I, I could talk about Bitcoin. Really, I think the idea that the Bitcoin and the blockchain and Judaism, uh, that connection was the first thing that like Judaism is a chain of history and connection and that it's similar to the blockchain. I was like, all right, I got it. I'm the Bitcoin rabbi and I talk about Bitcoin and Judaism. And I just like made my Twitter out of nowhere. I was like, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But uh, I went through and uh, and just started in and just started writing ideas and posting stuff out. And people have been very nice and like welcoming and mostly not, you know, Jewish Bitcoiners, not Jewish Bitcoiners. And I try to make everything that I talk about not just Jewish specific. Like it's, I, I want to be uh, talk about and relate to uh, everybody. So I've had a great time. Uh, like I, I actually just met some Bitcoiners. I went to Pierre Richard's uh, NYC Bitcoiners meetup and like met people. And so it's been a lot of fun of, you know, being a active member in the community for the past like six, nine months. Now, so you, you became the Bitcoin rabbi. You became legendary immediately in, in my head at least. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, so, but you were in motion immediately because you just came out with a book like that. I mean, how did the... So that book was... So I'll tell you how that book came out. So I have been... I've had a really the, the main... The, the short answer of it is I love Seyfedina Moose's The Bitcoin Standard. I read through it probably three or, th three or so times. I just have it like on my desk, kind of uh, flip through it occasionally. And as part of... I made a presentation called... Um, Bitcoin and Judaism that I give to like college students. Um, I've given it a few times. We'll see as the market picks back up, I'll probably end up doing the presentation more. But uh, in it, I go through the history of money. So like I have this whole idea in mind, which is that's the main thing that the Bitcoin standard book is really about. It go, talks about how we got from, how we went from gold, how we got to fiat, where we are and why Bitcoin solved these things. So I had all these ideas in my head and I tweeted out to Seyfedin um, and I said, you know, has anyone made like a kid's book version of this? He said, no, but it sounds like a great idea. And I, I, I brainstormed, uh, like I lied in bed at night, planned out the whole book in my head, woke up the next morning, you know, got myself already, sat in front of the computer, bang, you know, 
banged the whole book onto a, a onto the keyboard within like three hours. I just like wrote the whole thing just like flowed out, and I had a lot of help. My wife is a graphic designer, so she edited it and she put it together, and then we we hired a beautiful illustrator, uh, you know, to an illustrator to make beautiful uh, drawings for it, and uh, it, we we got the book out from from concept to print in three weeks. Like it just like full time working. So I wanted it out before Passover because I knew I was going to be so busy. Uh, the Passover is this starts this Friday night. And I was like, I got to get this thing out. So we just like worked and, and it happened. Uh, now that's in motion, people. When I pound that like button for, he, I mean, he took advantage of the situation. There wasn't a kid's book based on Safadine's book yet. So he did it. And he, I mean, that's the opportunity in this space. There's so many things that have yet to be done. There wasn't a Bitcoin rabbi. He became the Bitcoin rabbi. There wasn't a kid's book. There was Now there's a kid's book. So, I mean, anyone can come up with an idea and just jump on it like that. And it becomes a, a big thing. You'll end up on my, my show. Do something like that, people. Tell me about it. You'll, you'll come on the show. Okay. So let's, you know, you, you brought up Passover and you told me beforehand there's oh, the Bitcoin Haggadah. Well, here, this is a, <laughs> here's a Haggadah. This is that the is a very what beautiful Haggadah. What we, what we we read is a Baltimore style. The, yeah, the Haggadah tells the story of the exit. The majority of it is like lines and quotes from the Book of Exodus. It tells through the story of when the Jewish people left Egypt, the ten plagues, and all of that. So on Passover night, we eat matzah and read this book. So that's it. So I, you probably know, every Jewish kid knows like all the lines. I just wrote some of my own. Will, will you uh, bear with me? I'm just going to read some of my lines that I that I wrote for the Bitcoin Haggadah. All right. Oh, oh my God. It's going to be a Bitcoin Haggadah this. now. Let's, let's hear this. Listen to this. Yeah. Listen. This is the fiat of our affliction that our forefathers used in the 20th century. Whoever was personal responsibility, let them come by Bitcoin. Whoever had strong hands, Hold on for the long term. This year, we were in a bear market. Next year, we'll be a bull market. This year, we're under 10K. Next year, to the moon. What makes this different? What makes this night different than all other nights? On all other nights, people FOMO in high and panic sell low. On this night, we buy the dip and hold. On all other nights, folks looks at, look at altcoins and Bitcoin. On this night, we only care about Bitcoin. On all other nights, we're checking if the price is rising or flat. On this night, we know the price is flat because one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Pound that like button. <laughs> On all other nights, we sit and wait for bank transfers to process. On this night, we lean in, buckle up, and get ready to ride to the 2020 halving and beyond. Uh, let's see what else I got. I've got some more. I've got some more. There are four types of suns. The wise sun asks, how do I buy Bitcoin? You shall instruct him that the cash app is the best way of stacking sats. The wicked at Sun asks, isn't Bitcoin old tech? I can trade it for some cheap hot alts. By thus excluding himself from the network effects, he is denied the fundamentals. You therefore shall blunt his teeth and tell him, good luck with your trading. Don't get wrecked. The simple Sun asks, but who's in charge of Bitcoin? Isn't fiat more secure because the government backs it? Crime, electricity, money laundering. To him, you give a copy of the Bitcoin money book. As for the one who doesn't know how to ask, you must initiate him. Give him a hardware wallet with some, toshi, with some Satoshis and download a wallet on his phone. How many degrees of blessings have been bestowed upon us? If only there was Bitcoin to sound money, that would have been enough for us, Dayenu. If there was sound money but no segregated witness, Dayenu. If there was segregated witness but no lightning network, 
Dianu. If there was Lightning Network, but no L2, Dianu. If there was L2, but no sidechains, Dianu. If there was sidechains, but no Schnorr signatures, Dianu. Thus, how much more so we should be grateful for the double than redouble goodness that has been bestowed upon us. We have sound money, SegWit, Lightning, sidechains, and the rest are on their way. The Bitcoin rabbi used to say, whoever does not do these three things has not fulfilled their obligation as a holder. Run a full node, verify your own track transactions, and hold your own keys. All right, that's uh, that's that, my, that's the Bitcoin Haggadah. That was amazing. Pound that like button. Anyone, I, I, I mean, everyone could get the basic gist of that, but if you're Jewish, I mean, that was that was amazing. I just want to say my name. All right, so let us. Um, you got to go to the Tel Aviv Bitcoin Embassy. Have you? You know, I have, I haven't, I would, I definitely will. My brother has definitely has been there um, a few times, uh, but I, uh, I, I, I lived in Israel from 2007 to 2011. Uh, I've only been back once since then. Um, I went for a friend's wedding a few months ago, um, but I did not get a chance to go. So I, sometime, you know, God willing, uh, I will make it there. Uh, to the uh, Bitcoin embassy. Yeah, you got you, you know Udi. You're Udi. I think Udi. I mean, I just chat. I just chat with him on uh, Twitter. We've never met. Uh, never met before. But my brother knows some of the people in the, uh, you know, in the Bitcoin community uh, just around Israel. He lives in. He used to live in Jerusalem. And I went to Yeshiva. I was in Kfar Chabad. Kfar Chabad is Kfar. The word Kfar means village. So Kfar is a little village. Uh, about 10 minutes away from Tel Aviv. So I used to go to Tel Aviv uh, once a week and I would uh, put tefillin on people. Like I would uh, go around and do holiday, oh, for every holiday on Hanukkah, I would go and give out candles, like part of my yeshiva. That's what we would do, uh, like, you know, do outreach stuff. Uh, but for, I would mostly be visiting uh, my brother in Jerusalem. So that's where I spent a lot of time. He's since moved out. Uh, he lives in a different town, but he lived in Israel for 10 years. Hey, you got your tefillin there. Oh uh, yeah, All man. Right. Yeah, this, this is a new pair. Yeah, it's a new. I got it in Los pair. Angeles. It's a it's a long story uh, because they checked my old pair and there was an issue. So I got a new pair. Good, and you, yeah, you Chabad guys around the uh, the market in Tel Aviv on Fridays are yeah. they're putting to fill in on everyone. And I was I was jogging and the guy's like, "Hey, you want to fill in?" I'm like, "I put them on this morning." He's like, "Yeah, He's so, <laughs> he's so happy. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I'm putting these on. Every morning, this is well, this is not your proof, but yeah, every since that's, that's uh, the, awesome. the, yeah, yeah, since everything happened with my dad and everything, I've been put every morning, every, and so I'll continue to do. Hopefully, God willing, I'll continue to put these on even for more. You than, know, we don't, but we don't, we don't put them on um, during uh, Passover, during yeah. the week of Passover. Yes, yeah, I, I, I do know. I looked that one up too. That is something that the. Uh, Secular people should know if they do put on the tefillin, they don't put it on during you don't put it on during Shabbat either, which yeah, everybody holidays, knows, yeah. generally generally knows. Uh, but yeah, the, hey, there we got a little Jewish thing there now. Okay, but okay, so you you've been to the Bitcoin Embassy. It is, or you haven't been there, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, but it, it is it's a very diverse place of uh, of uh, they're not just Israelis there. People come in because Tel Tel Aviv is very a international hub. city. Yeah, very yeah. international. Series. I've seen. I know that. I know that. Like a lot of Bitcoiners have been through. I know Jimmy Song did. Uh, did like a workshop there. I saw like within this past past year, Adam Back was there for, yep. a, for I a, like, there, a yeah. conference. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and Alina Vernova of Casa was there. Mm -hmm. So like, I've definitely uh, Nick Sabo was there. Um, so like Bitcoiners definitely go, come in to Tel Aviv. 
Yeah, there's some, and there's some interesting guy. I mean, it's mostly the guys hanging out there on a Sunday night are mostly secular, but there was like, like a, there's a Yemeni, a Yemen, Yemeni. He's yeah. got his uh, seat seats on. You can see that and uh -huh. everything. And uh, he's got a I can't believe how many kids he had. He looks so young. And uh, but then, I mean, then there were dudes talking, <laughs> talking Bitcoin and then religious and psychedelics. I don't know what this dude is. <laughs> awesome. Sounds <laughs> like my crowd. I could I could probably fit in there. Yeah, yo, you, you'd handle it. You'd, you'd handle it real well. Over yeah. there. No, but everyone would love you. And it's it's a very, very welcoming place. And shout outs to everybody that, that might be Sarah. Is, is she's watching is. There's ladies. Well, there's a few ladies there, like three. But it, it, you, you get the point. Every, anyway, so um, and let's let's talk about the ladies for a second here, because we, that, in the chat, Vention sent five dollars, and I thank him for the support. And he says, "Planning for generations is all well and good until your faithful wife divorces you out of your <laughs> out of your family and runs off with a bandito biker gang." So okay. <laughs> So this is this is a problem with society today. Um, you are a happily married man, and so a lot of guys who are watching this show is like, "This, I'm not down with this guy. What, what's what's marriage? What's love? What's what, what's this guy even talking about? That's not the real world." So, what is what is your take on what's going on with the world in, in terms of? So I'll tell you how how marriage works in uh, in Orthodox Jewish circles. It's actually it's not. Um, it's not like matchmaking, like you get told who you're going to marry, but the dating is like done through uh, matchmakers and like the way you don't just go out and meet a random lady and, you know, talking because that's a terrible way to plan a, a who is going to be your life partner and who's going to share your household and your and your children the way and your ideals and all that to just go out and meet people. So what you do is you kind of make a, a resume for yourself. You you talk about, you write down like what your goals are, what kind of person you're looking for. And usually you give that to like some older woman uh, and she, they make, they, they give suggestions. And so you go out and meet people. So like my wife and I were uh, matched up by uh, a, a, a friend of her, of uh, her friend's mother. And I just, who is a matchmaker and I went out. And the thing is you spend the whole time you, for the first time we ever met, sat down talked for six hours and we talk about not you know meaningful things like you to to have a good relationship in a marriage you need to like hit the first of all you need to know what you believe in and you need to have a, a you know meaningful uh perspective and you need to uh you know believe in 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 something or you know know why you're getting married what kind of family you want and then uh you need to talk that out and find somebody who is so within the first day within the first six hours of chatting we knew she wasn't the first person i ever met or the first person I ever went out with but we knew that we saw eye to eye we knew that we wanted to have the same kind of house raise the same kind of kids live in the same kind of community and do the same kind of things and it's been you know i've been married for eight years i've got thank god five kids and it oh yeah five kids that's right who the oldest is seven and the youngest is uh, four months Wow. Wow. Well, again, you, you mentioned what you were dating for marriage. And, and so yeah. that, that is what I think that that was your base right there. You're yeah, yeah. Right now in secular culture, that's not what that's not what's going on. Uh, yeah. And I think that's what what happens. And then people, you know, they like each other enough. They're together for long enough. And then they maybe they get married because they have romantic feelings for each other. And a lot, sometimes it works out. But it can if you don't set and know 
what you want and then make sure the other person wants. Sometimes you people meet each other and then one person wants kids, the other one doesn't. They don't know what religion they want to be they, or what religion they want to raise their kids. It can be uh, it can be lots of difficult things. But if you come into it uh, seriously at the beginning, that that solves a lot of things. So the, the divorce rate in uh you know jewish circles there are people that get divorced and there's not like you know it, it, women can get divorced men can get divorced like it's it, you know we're not a, a restrictive uh oppressive uh community if, if, if some people have that idea but um but the rate is so much lower because people are coming into it with uh you know marriage is really a, a like a part like a business partnership and you have to decide both parties have to decide that they want it's more important to, for them that the that the marriage works out and that the family works out than than their own personal happiness. You know, you can't. I mean, you can't be abused and you can't be you let yourself get depressed. But you have to have that mindset that it's you know it's more important for me to give in some. And that's just how kids work. You're never gonna you know to, to, you have to have kids. It's about me doing giving up yourself for them and to make, you know, make them successful. And that always takes sacrifice. And it's not just marriage, it's also being part of community. You know, you want the community to do well, uh, you know, and family and kids. It's all, it's about sacrifice. It's about, you know, giving up your immediate desires for the greater good, for the, you know, for the long term and for the for the community and your small community, your family. Yeah, so now a lot of people are gonna say, well, this sounds so old fashioned, but it, it, would you rather be with the new fashion way? This guy, yeah. the orthodox ways, they don't play games. They lay it all out on the table. And that's that's what you need to do in life. When, when you're making such a huge commitment, lay it all out on the table right away so there are no issues. And this is the, the way of the modern world is everyone's they've, – they've got little secret desires on the side because they didn't lay it out on the table. And it comes out later and it wrecks everything. And, you, you I mean, you said it's like a business relationship, but, I mean – that that is one way of looking at it. I mean, it, I, I think a lot of guys see it that once they get divorced, they definitely see it as a totally failed uh, a business relationship. So I mean, you you lay it all out there right away. I, I think I think it's a great approach, and I I do want to stress to everyone that um, you know, in a, mo most Jewish people in the United States of America are not Orthodox. So they're just, it, what's happening to, to most Jewish people is what's happening to most of America. It's just yeah, but the numbers the numbers are rapidly changing because of the because of things like this because of our the birth rates and also there's like a there's a religious revival coming uh, going on in the country not just Jewish but a lot of people are coming back to religion because they're trying to find meaning. I mean it's so hard to to find meaning in just the secular pop culture. Um, and that's why people are getting depressed and stuff. So in uh, Judaism, definitely there is uh, because there's this like revival going on. Then I'm part of that. You know, I'm I'm a living example of that. Uh, so so the numbers are are gonna are gonna tick up in the next generation. The amount of Jew, of Jews and probably of other religions are. I, I think there's gonna be tick up. I think like the '90s was a uh, a secular, you know, Gen X was a, a down uh, generation in religion. But I think it's it's coming back up. Yeah, secular people don't have kids. Religious people have five kids, eight kids, ten kids. So that's we'll we'll see how that ends up. Definitely. I mean, I know in in Israel, definitely now. I mean. The, the only reason the Jewish population is growing is because of the Orthodox, because the religious people having kids, uh, and because they have a, a lot of darn kids, and they got they got that's their type of marriage. They got married to have kids, and it's successful. Hey, by the way, Guy Bennett sent five bucks in the super chat. Do you know what the longest sentence in the English language is? 
I do. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, that is, again, when you don't plan accordingly, when you don't lay it, lay it all out on the table, uh, that's, yeah, that it, it does become a sentence, definitely. All right, let's talk, Um, real, real quick, you were talking about that you were a libertarian, and again, a lot of people are like, oh, rabbi, libertarian? What? Or Jewish people are libertarian? I mean, that's I don't really mean it from a political sense. I just mean, like, philosophy, that people should be free to, to live the life the way that they want to live. And that usually uh, when the, I mean, when whenever the Jewish people have been in a, a, in a country where the government was overreaching, the Jews were usually the first and the most severe to suffer of that government overreach, whether it was, uh, you know, if it was in the communist Russia or if it was in Nazi Germany, or if it was in, you know, Spain and England when they, and I'm talking about a hundred years ago when Jews were kicked out. So the idea of it's, oh, it's always pretty much been a good idea um, to let, you know, let people be free, let them, you know, take care of themselves. As long as they're not hurting other people, uh, you know, they can decide because it's just, it, it, you end up with the overreach and, you know, telling them how, what, what they can do, what they can't do. People kind of can take care of themselves. And in Judaism, I mean, we have, I was explaining, you know, there are different uh, laws and different restrictions and there are even different opinions. You know, there's the Ashkenazi Jews, the European Jews and the Sephardic, you know, the Middle Eastern Jews and, and all different Hasidic and, and, and Lithuanian and all different kinds of things. But we don't are, we don't have to fight with each other to force each other to do it. We just live and let live. And we, you know, somebody can eat this one kind and somebody can eat a different thing, a different kind of kosher and somebody can pray like that. And we all get along because we don't try and force it. We just, allow the different things. So like philosophically, I think, you know, Judaism is, a is allows people to, to do and live different, different lifestyles. And, uh, it I, just personally, my perspective is, uh, it's better. I'd rather live in a free country where the government doesn't try and tell me, you know, what, what I, what I have to go to, where I have to go to school, what I have to learn, what I have to teach my kids, what I have to eat, where, you know, let people do things themselves, but as long as they're not hurting other people. I like it. Pound that like button, people. Uh, did you hear about the Zehut party in, in Israel? at all i don't i my brother it's how so israel's got a parliamentary system with like dozens of parties and they just had an election i don't really follow it all that much it's just it's, it's so complicated and uh so right. it's not really a not my expertise the israeli politics yeah the only reason i bring that one up is because he the guy behind it was religious and he had a libertarian uh, philosophy so i thought uh yeah. that that might have uh, you might have heard of that one all right so let's jewish perspective on bitcoin justice and equality what's what's that so, about so i mean there's a, a a lot of the modern concepts of law and of uh the judicial system comes from originally from uh, jewish uh legal text the talmud and uh there's and from the torah you know the bible uh there's one of the underlying principles is um uh, from a verse uh in uh, deuteronomy that's called the uh, it says uh tzedek tzedek tirdoif which means justice justice you shall pursue it's very unusual that the torah will repeat itself give an extra word there and it's for extreme emphasis um and what that means is you know you have to have a system that's fair a system that doesn't uh, the whole verse says you shall not pervert justice you shall not show favoritism you shall not take a bribe for bribery blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts just words justice justice shall you pursue and this is to, like 
I think that we need to have a, a money system that's fair. That's, you know, a, a, a banking system that's, I think, you know, I think Bitcoin gives us an a, a, a even level playing field. I think that it gives everybody a shot and nobody's got an advantage. Some people aren't in control of the money supply. They're not printing more. They're not limiting, uh, you know, who can have it and what. So I, that's, I see it as, as just essentially a fair uh, type of money. And that's, I you know, I really like it for, for that aspect. That I think is a Jewish. That's one one thing that I think my perspective of of you know Judaism definitely values. All people are equal. They they should have an equal shot, and uh, that's what I think Bitcoin gives. Yeah, that's that's an interesting take. I I like it. Jewish perspective on Bitcoin, there, guys. Hey, you mentioned the Talmud. I know what the Talmud is. There are a lot of freaks out there on the internet. <laughs> You've probably seen those videos. Why don't you tell everyone what the Talmud is? Um, so the Talmud is uh, a collection of books. Basically, the, the Torah is uh, the five books of Moses, or the, bo the Bible, and there's books of prophets and all that. Though that's the uh, what's called the written uh, book of the uh, of the like the Jewish Bible. Uh, that is written. Um, it's like the story of the Jewish people and the history of the kings, but it's not written in a like in depth. Uh, like legal hand guide. It has the, the mitzvahs, the commandments in the Torah, but they're not uh, elucidated. They're not described. So from that, and the, the Torah was given the Mount, uh, Mount Sinai and Moses and all that, that had to happen about 3,300 years ago, give or take. Um, about 2,000 years ago, uh, when the Jews were living in Israel and all that. So they, um, would discuss all of that. There was, there was like uh, the Supreme court of the Jewish, there was the yeshivas, there was the leaders, there was, and they would discuss all of the laws. So the Talmud is the collection of the, the discussions and the legal analysis of, um, uh, you know, of the Jewish law over the course of a thousand years, basically from like, uh, from like a thousand years, uh, B BCE till, uh, till just around like maybe a couple hundred years at, of our, of the AD or of the CE, the common era. So that is, it's a book. It's like 39 volumes of, or uh, more, more than that. It's, it's pretty massive. Uh, some people study it every day. If you study one uh, page, a double-sided page every single day, it will take you seven and a half years to finish. That's called the Dafyomi. Some people study and they go through it and they learn it. And that's, it's like the source of, of Jewish law, but it's, uh, you know, it's the, it's, it's like discussions from rabbis, rabbis over the thousands of years, uh, discussing all of the laws. And that's what we study. And that's where we get like, how we, how do we keep kosher? How do we, um, you know, write a tefillin? How do we all, how do we pray? It all comes from there. And there are some disputes in there that you can see the rabbis oh, arguing back oh, and yeah. forth. They were arguing back and forth. And, uh, you know, some things they didn't conclude to. Some things different com Jewish communities do one way and another way. And, like, there's a lot of uh, variants. That's what I, I call them. They're the soft forks of Judaism. They're, they're the co compatible soft forks. Backwards compatible soft forks. Now you know what I said. The hard, the hard fork of Judaism is uh, is Christianity. Clearly, yeah, they yeah, they totally yeah. for, they forked off. They made their own coin. They did their own thing. That's but very yeah. interesting. No, I think. And that's and that's totally fine. You know, I've got no problem with the Christians believing. Uh, you know what they believe, and I mostly get along. I actually usually get along better with Christians um, than with uh, 
not you know non-religious or anti-religious people because Christians and I, we we uh, lots of people or any or re religious uh, people like they have generally uh, you know family values and moral values and you know are positive you know positive people so like I, I I've had pretty good. Uh, relationships and pretty good experience with religious people of different types yes yes well i'm glad you i'm glad you put it out there with the talmud people it's a like so, and again it, it's a massive it's ma i mean with your hands i mean it's like this it, it's huge it's it's it's, yeah. it's, it, it's tremendous and so i mean there's there's all sorts of freaks out there They're like haven't you read your talmud i'm like dude <laughs> all the secular jews out there None of them have read any of it, okay? It's like they and, – and have you and, – and these people who take like one little quote from it. I mean they haven't read it. They, 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 they mangle one quote about one thing or something like that. Yeah, it's sure. Like, there are plenty of things that could be taken out of context there. Uh, so, I mean, I know there are whole websites dedicated to, to exposing it and then to unexposing in this. I don't, I don't spend my time on that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You know, you can't waste your time. You got to be in motion. Uh, I was just pointing that out to everyone out there. He gave a very nice explanation. It's just like with, uh, the uh, fake Toshi thing. You can't worry about, let, you know, let him yeah. say what he's going to say. And I, I always, I just talk about the positive things going. I mean, there's, there are plenty of negative things, but there's so many positive things going on in Bitcoin. So I let, you know, there, I, I enjoy watching and uh, seeing, you know, the, the trolling and the, the, the fun arguments back and forth. But I, I try and keep above the fray. Like I, I just want to focus on the positive, good things going on in Bitcoin. And just in general, that's the way I do, you know. Okay, so now, now going back to Passover, which I'm always excited about, which starts on Friday and uh, yeah. Friday night. And uh, Fast of the Firstborn is uh, that morning. You know, you got to go to a little uh, party or whatever. That, to, that's, to probably, that's, that's probably not too hard for you, right? Uh, no, yeah, yeah, that's, I know that's easy as anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but okay, so <laughs> now what are the le lessons about freedom and Bitcoin from the Passover Exodus? So it kind of fit. Yeah, you know, it's it kind of uh, fits in um, with what I was saying before that, you know, that uh, freedom is a good people act better when they are free and they can produce more and are happier in this. So uh, at Passover is the story of the Jewish people that they were enslaved in Egypt. And then uh, there was uh, God did miracles and uh, took the Jewish people out. But there's so most people, if they know anything about this, they know the famous quote of Passover is that Moses goes up to uh, Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Yeah. The problem about that is that it's a, a, a mistranslation or a, a, a misquote. That's not the, it's a cutoff sentence. The verse in the Torah actually says, um, it, it's Shalach Ami Vayavaduni, send out my people so that they can serve me. So the idea is that, I mean, it's good to be free. It's good not to be slaved. And that's a positive thing. But the whole point, never in the Torah does it just say the Jewish people should just be free, you know, for no reason. It was always that they had to, you, that you, when you're with your freedom, you have to be going towards something. You can't just be, again, I don't want to be enslaved, which obviously should not be enslaved and no people should be free. But when you have that freedom, you have to then have a goal and you have to have something like service. You have to be working towards something. So the same like with Bitcoin, 
you know, people are have their, you know, have their Bitcoin and holding their Bitcoin and are in the community. But they it's, it can't just be just about having money or just being financially free or having, you know, financial wealth. You have to have a like a goal and a meaningful thing that you're moving towards. That is, uh, I think, a lesson that every, you know, again, it's a, a universal idea of being free, but being free to to go in and do something and do something positive. Very good points. All right. We're coming toward the end now. What are some conclusionary thoughts, things that I didn't ask, things you wanted to bring up? Um, it's been great, man. It's, it's flowed real nice. Man. We've been talking for a while. Yeah. I mean, I really, you know, I like your show. I like that uh, you go through the story. I like that you've got this uh, positive attitude. And uh, listen, I'll just, uh, you know, since it's the, the Beyond Bitcoin show, I did uh, – uh, you talk about fasting sometime, which I like. I actually, from from the beginning of the year, I did uh, uh, some uh, intermittent fasting for for like a few weeks, and it worked really well, and like really felt great. Like I've got to get back into it. It's hard, you know, with with the Purim was last month, and getting ready, and it's I, I've got to feed feed my family and feed my kids. But I really did like it, and uh, you know, it was a. I, I hear you talk about it. I hear other people talk about it. So it's a cool. You know, it's a cool thing that you've got going on. What do you think about these carnivore Bitcoin guys? <laughs> you know, I, 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 that's what what I was doing. I was doing a, a intermittent fasting. And then, I mean, I've always been like a keto uh, for like the past. I've on and off keto uh, for like 10 years. So like I get the, you know, eating meat and, you know, meat and vegetables mostly. So I tried it. I don't know. For some people that have health issues or have digestive issues they maybe say they like it it makes them feel better that i didn't really get like not eating a salad and not eating vegetables didn't make me feel better or you know anything but i mean if it works for some people that's what they you know that's what they like listen i'm not the i'm not the skinniest or the healthiest guy so i'm not giving uh uh you know uh dietary advice to anybody you know people do it but definitely eating more people that are like think think that eating uh, a pasta and sugar and eating is good and eating meat is where oh it can't have a steak that's where a steak has got a, a saturated fat that's that's the unhealthy thing that people definitely have got the wrong perspective there i gotta tell you with the the challah man the challah we the Jewish oh, people, <laughs> I used to love the challah, but I mean, I, I had the discipline where I just cut it out of my life. I never, I've had uh -huh, it. Yeah. I haven't had it for years. And so it's a practice and discipline, the whole fast. Well, and, and so I told, I, yeah, I'm got I'm going to wish, uh, Michael Goldstein, who is a, you know, a, a card. Well, I, I, so I went to a, a Bitcoin meetup and I was like, figured I would go there and it would just be like all guys eating steak. Everyone's drinking beer what i mean i was like you guys aren't carnivores what is this i, I was just joking it's fine yeah everybody's there's no problem but uh but uh michael goldstein is apparently the i was like i thought everyone's a hardcore bitcoin a hardcore carnivore and they were like no it's really just michael he's he's the main guy yeah so, uh, so i have to wish him uh condole every pastor he says that uh, you know he eats matzah is like his one carbohydrate that he eats per year and it's enough to make him feel the suffering of slave of servitude to you know bite down the matzah you know that I'm that's the same that's the same that's the like same it. thing with me oh the first yeah. and the second night of passover the only times yeah. i have 
bread, it's matzah yeah. during the year. That's it. There's, there's, there's two yeah. nights and just a little bit. It's the, it's the minimum requirement or whatever it is. And yeah. that's then the rest of the year, no, no bread at all. Nothing like that. Well, I'm, gl I'm glad you're experimenting with the, uh, with the eating techniques and everything. This is, this is good that yeah, people are yeah. learning for the beyond Bitcoin show. Well, you, you provided some great info again, everyone, the book he's linked to below. You can follow him on Twitter. You can buy the book. It's, it's linked to below. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank, thank, you. thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. This is, this is a long time coming and I, I really, really appreciate it. It's been great to watch it. It's great to, you know, to, to see your content and to be part of it now. Uh, like keep up the great work. You really are, you know, a positive voice in the Bitcoin world. Well, you, like you're, you're keeping it positive too. I, in this, in this age of, uh, negativity and, and dirtiness, you're keeping it family oriented. And I, I, yeah. I really like that. And Hey, there was no cursing on the show. Hey, we made it. <laughs> we, we just barely made it. No, 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 you know, it's funny. I, I said, I went out when I go, he's like, I'm not going to, I feel like I don't have to ask you to not curse before we go on the show. And I was like, same to you when I say the same thing when I go on podcast. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's good to, to meet someone. This, this is going to be a guaranteed clean show. I'll tell you everyone. All right, dudes. Awesome time. Remember, New show every single day. And yeah, Passover's on Friday. We'll be talking about that more as it gets closer. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Remember to subscribe to this channel, like this video, share this video, pound that like button, bang that bell button, click on those squares. Bye-bye. Have a great Passover, everyone, when it's coming, but I'll see you before then. See ya.